everybody, and uh, thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report, and along with our chief strategist, Shelley Cohan, who, by the way, is also a professor at FIT and Syracuse University. We welcome you to our conversation on the topic of, get this, happy days are here again, dot, 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 maybe. <laughs> so, <laughs> Shelly, are we happy yet? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm happy right now. But anyway, Governor Cuomo is opening the world on May 19th, uh, which is a couple weeks from now. And I should say the world of New York, as President Biden, is more like July for the country. And Cuomo surprisingly says everything from indoor restaurant eating to to the, to the subways back to 24-7 service. Uh, Broadway is going to be opening, uh, concerts, and on and on, and, and with surprisingly few safety requirements. And I'll bet our retail friends are jumping with joy, expecting consumers will be clamoring to get into their stores, maybe even waiting in line. Well, Shelley, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I think you and I have talked about this. I think there's going to be a very cautious return of consumers, uh, and especially those not vaccinated yet. <clears throat> and, of course, the international tra travelers will not be back in full force. And there are hundreds and hundreds of questions that really won't be answered until they are answered in real time. Get it? It means that retailers and other businesses just cannot predict anything. There is no reference point from which they could even make uh, guesses because there's never been anything like this. So, yeah, there's going to be an economic lift. I mean, all the economists are saying that. We all say that, as, you know, as consumers are, will unlock their trillions in savings, uh, their trillions in stimulus money. And of course, interest rates are going to remain very low. Anyway, all of this money kind of fire hosed into the economy will, you know, will be like a tailwind for pent up demand. So what are they going to spend it on? Um, you know, not so surprising, the apparel and accessory category, which took the biggest hit when stores closed. And of course, well, all you needed to wear for a meeting was a nice shirt. Uh, anyway, surveys believe that apparel will take a major share of the pent-up demand as they come back. <clears throat> and of course, add in the dollars uh, that used to be spent on travel, which is not going to return until the whole planet heals. So, yes, traditional retail will probably get some real joy going into the back half of the year. But the big question, however, are retailers really prepared for it? Do they have enough inventory compared to what? 2019? That's not going to work. Or will they have too much? And of course, how much will be online versus the brick and mortar stores? And as I said, um, they cannot know until it all opens and is happening in real time. 
you know, Shelly, one of the things that, that I said, we talked about at the beginning of the non-essential shutdowns is that the longer the door stayed shut, I was saying, you know, the more, the higher the inventory would grow, it's going to be sitting there. So my thesis was that when the pandemic lifted, there would be fire sales like crazy to get rid of this stuff. But now some people are saying the opposite. So Shelly, what are you, your thoughts on this? Well, Robin, I've read a lot about this idea of the roaring 20s spend levels hitting the U.S. market as a result of pent-up demand and as stores and restaurants open to full capacity. And we actually did see an uptick in retail sales for the apparel, accessories, and shoe businesses in March, really back to the 2019 sales levels. And this was after very difficult sales declines coming into January and February which were down 9% and 15% respectively for those categories. And Robin, I have certainly sat on enough earnings calls with optimism from company right. execs about the rebound of the apparel business in 2021. But I do question how the industry will be able to satisfy and meet higher demand, especially with the current inventory levels that I have physically seen in stores and in the data that I have analyzed. So I have to share my personal story with you, Robin, only because we just talked about it in our podcast, Wholesale Retail Model is Dead Man Walking. But listen to this. I went into a store to buy a formal dress, and the inventory in the physical store was severely limited to a random few sizes across a scattershot of styles. Well, so yeah, Shelly, Shelly, do you, you care to uh, share with us who that retailer was? I'm not. I, I, I think you're right. Let's not do that. I don't want to do that. It's not a pretty story. So okay. I got to be honest. I'm not going to tell you who it is. But uh, <laughs> I asked the store if they could send a few styles in my size to the local store so I could come <clears> in and try them on. But they said they could not do that. And this was a higher end store. Um, but what they could do is send me dresses to my house, which I could then bring into the store to try on. Well, here's the problem. And thankfully, I only agreed to have two dresses sent to my house. My credit card was charged and billed before either dress arrived. These are being drop shipped from the vendor to my house. So now I have to loan the retailer money so they can buy inventory to be able to get my sizes. And by the way, one dress still hasn't shipped for an order that was placed three weeks ago. Wow. So this is not the experience customers want. And while I know it's one customer, one incident, I can tell you this model will never work long term. And it's certainly not. <clears throat> customers are just not going to put up with this type of model. And even when we look at companies measuring performance through a balanced scorecard, they'll do really well on the financial aspect of this model of the dropship concession because the reduction of inventory holdings improve profitability and it improves the return on assets. But the customer portion of the scorecard is going to fail miserably. For sure. For sure. As, as we talked yeah. about, Robin, I'm all in for the concession model and dropships. But how in this new model is it going to work with this highly demanding customer? 
who's seeking this instant gratification. You know, Shelly, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this is your anecdotal personal experience. But, but you know, and I know the story, then we aren't going to mention it because they aren't the only ones. And it happens to be a very one of the top stores. And they're doing a great job. And they're, they're, they're going to survive. They're going to do great. But, but, but the point here is that, that it, 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 this is representative across the board. So every retailer out there is going to have these, these unusual uh, circumstances where they just haven't been prepared for it because this never happened before. So um, it, 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 if we, you know, so across the industry, as this goes on, it's going to be like Crazyville. <laughs> or, or, you know, I guess I should say inventory chaos. Uh, and as I suggested uh, up front, uh, um, too much, not enough, too much of the wrong stuff or, or too little of the right stuff, there simply was no way, Shelley, for retailers to accurately know what to do when their doors closed. I mean, stop all forward orders from vendors uh, get rid of the stuff they have at back-breaking, you know, zero pricing. Uh, will vendors be agile enough to respond to the retailer's erratic situation? You know, and again, how much of the online business uh, that was gained and grew tremendously pre-pandemic uh, and during pandemic, how much of it's going to stick? Anyway, the whole thing is just chaos. You, you know, they're going to have to make a move, cross their fingers that it's going to end okay. And of course, in your little anecdotal story, it didn't. Um, and I think your shopping trip uh, is representative, and I think it's very ominous for not only retailers who are scrambling to, to right their ships to be able to respond to this post-pandemic surge, uh, that they have nothing to compare it to, but it's going to be ominous for massive consumer dissatisfaction. You know, yeah, once again, I've said this so many times, I'm glad I'm just observing all of this and not having to make these decisions. So, Shelley, uh, I say this with uh, great respect. I know you are a numbers nut. Um, can, you know, can you maybe put this pending inventory mess into some kind of a data perspective. So Robin, before I get into the numbers, you know, I feel like I've become the retail guru for my family and friends. They're always pinging me, asking me, where's my sofa? Where's my stuff? Why is this happening? You know, it's a real issue in the industry. It's not just from my one experience, my one story. I'm hearing this across the board from a lot of different uh, contacts uh, in the industry. But as far as the numbers go, let, let's just focus on clothing, accessories, and shoes when in that category. So inventories coming into 2021 for clothing, accessories, and shoe stores, retail stores, they're down about 10 to 11% for January and February. Department stores are about down 10%. But with the lack of revenue in the front of the year with sales in apparel down 9% and 16% for January and February, the investment in inventory has really lagged behind. So now consumers are getting out to the stores. They may be disappointed in the product selection in terms of by style, by size. So all this positive outlook in apparel is really coming from the online business. 
And if the physical retail stores continue to push consumers to online because of insufficient stock in stores, it may have a devastating impact on apparel stores. The, the new data from MasterCard suggests that shoppers have really adapted to buying clothes and jewelry digitally. And MasterCard expects the trend to continue to take shape even, even as the economy reopens. This is from North American President Linda Kirkpatrick. Mm. Well, Robin, we probably didn't need MasterCard to tell us this because we've been talking about it. Um, but keep in mind that apparel declined 19% in 2020, according to the research from NPD. In February 2021, three quarters of apparel sales were made online. So 75% of apparel sales were online. Wow. And the apparel e-com business was up 47% from the previous year. So... And I promise, Robin, this is my last statistic. The apparel and accessories U.S. e-com business for 2020 was $111 billion. That was up almost 50% from 2018. Wow. And the prediction is by 2024, that's three short years from now, that number is expected to be $194 billion. That's a 76% increase. Unbelievable. So where does this leave our oversaturated apparel accessories, brick and mortar businesses? Yeah, you know, oh boy, this this is really something. And I, and, you know, I think, you know, speaking of apparel and accessories, I think they they have become used to buying online, and, but we just don't know how much of it's going to go there. So, what's going to happen in brick and mortar stores, Shelley? Well, that's a great segue into my favorite mantra. How long have we been overstored? I started talking about this in the, in the 1980s. So my question to myself is, this is the time of the great reckoning. Finally, getting rid of dead square footage of retail space, or at least repurposing it. And, you know, retailers failing in general. Yeah, a lot of it's going to move online. We know that. So we'll, the question is, will we get back to a supply and demand equilibrium where you got a healthy competitive marketplace? Um, you know, maybe in some sectors, but I predict not in all of them and particularly apparel. I think net, net uh, square footage is just going to increase. We were just talking about this, I think, last week that I there's a huge number of new stores opening, according to CoreSite's research, um, CoreSite research, uh, in the middle of all this, actually, net net new square footage. But where is it all happening, Shelley? You know it's going to the off-pricers, discounted dollar stores, as well as outlet stores. So guess what? Promotional pricing will st- still be the low-hanging fruit and overstored environment, you know, the low-hanging fruit for growth, particularly of the pent-up surge, it will still be a race to the bottom in promotional pricing, which is a losing proposition at at the end of the day. That's a dark picture, but I believe that. Anyway, what do you think? 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, Robin, we haven't even touched upon the back end supply chain issues, right? The blaze, lack of agility, and so forth. Um, and there's really no past reference point as an example of how to react to this chaotic unknown reopening, the pent up surge, the unpredictable element of where the consumer mindset is today. Even with all the consumer surveys that have been done, we know that what consumers say they get, they're going to do in a survey is not always what they actually do. So how short-lived will the surge be? And will the lack of in-store inventory further fuel online growth? These are all things to be considered. Major questions. Yeah, you're right. It's too bad we don't have too many conclusions, you know, because we don't know. Nobody knows. And, and we're right in, in the beginning of it. And the other thing about uh, this that we haven't really touched on a lot is the population shift. There's a great, huge shift in, in population moving out of urban centers into the burbs, into the countryside. Right. And the impact this will have on physical retail stores, along with the high expectations that consumers will have for in-store experiences, which we, of course, touched upon in our last podcast, which was about how the industry, as we knew it one time, <laughs> how quickly it was disrupted, some of it destroyed, but totally transformed during the past 10 years, really in the blink of an eye. Anyway, uh, oh, and, and, you know, of the five strategic imperatives for future success that we laid out in that discussion, experience more than ever is an imperative. It's a must, particularly for the next-gen consumers. I keep talking about this. I get bored with myself, <laughs> particularly <laughs> with the next-gens who need a big, compelling reason to spend their time, which is luxury to them, a compelling reason to spend the time to go to the stores and shopping through those stores and those malls and those big buildings. They do not need them and they do not want them. I don't know, Shelly, at the end of the day, it will be the smart store that wins. You know, I've been seeing that phrase popping up. I think it's a great phrase because what it means, smart strategically, smart technologically, smart creatively, smart theatrically, smart personally, and smart socially, and smart in all of those other issues, DEI, sustainability, et cetera, and so forth. Those are going to be the ones that win, and hopefully they can get through this unknown period uh, that we've never had before and that they've got to work through and be agile enough to, to, to shift one day to the other and to get their thing on course and to keep it there. Yeah, I agree, Robin. Smart store is going to win. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and therobinreport.com. And please follow us on social media, link in with us, and follow us on Twitter for the latest thoughts about the industry. Yeah, double down, please. Go to therobinreport.com. And um, as I say every week, I would love to have any of you in the audience with a great topic that you want us to discuss. Just email me at robin at therobinreport.com. And once again, thank you so very, very much.